following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Well, they say uh, in seminary, they said that um, you should never uh, apologize for what you're about to say. And uh, so I, you know, I think in general, that's a really good, good uh, policy or rule to follow. I'm going to break it today. So uh, let me just say, I'm not going to apologize for what I'm going to say, but let me just say this, that um, I, every time I stand up here and it's my turn to give a talk, it's from the Bible. And so this isn't stuff, this isn't my opinion or my thoughts. I mean, I'm going to say it in my own words and I'm going to use my own stories But this stuff is nothing new. And this has been taught by the church for thousands of years. And it comes from the Bible. Now, if it was my opinion, and we're talking about what I think how you should handle your enemies, it's really simple, okay? Because if I was in charge, if I was God, there'd be a whole lot less people on the earth than there are today, right? You know, I just some people, I would just say, dude, that's the end of you. And poof, poof, he's gone. But God, that's not God's way, and that's not how he handles it. And so we're, we're not here to learn my stuff or my opinion about our enemies. This is God's perspective, and that's what we're trying to do here this morning. And so uh, taking a look at what do you do if you have enemies? Um, have you ever wondered what God's point of view is on enemies? Does he have enemies? And if you're a follower of Christ... Is it okay to have enemies, or are we just supposed to be love and nice to everybody? Uh, How do we view our enemies? Because every single one of us has been tempted, I think, at times to look at our enemies as he's just like Hitler, or, you know, we put those labels and we put names on people. We call them evil, or this or that. And What does God think about that? What about revenge? You know, go ahead, make my day. I I really resonate with that. You know, it's a, a, are we allowed to to take revenge on people and get even? I mean, do stuff. We've all thought about that, you know, and maybe you've even, uh, like me, planned it out, you know, (laughs) this careful scheme, how to get even with this person. Um, And so what does the Bible say about all of this? And, Some people respond really well to peacemaking efforts. You know, you reach out to them in peace and establish peace with them and reconcile. They like that. They respond to it. And it goes great. It works out. Everything's fine. We move on. But there are some people that don't respond well to that. Some people that just no matter what you do, they have it in for you. They are not willing to reconcile with you. And they have set themselves as your enemy. Then what do you do? Well, the Bible tells us what we should do. And we'll take a look at that this morning. Um, first, our, our Romans chapter 12 is the text that I want to look at. And if you have a Bible today with you that you brought, then I want to encourage you to take the pen that you got as well and write in your Bible. I just want to just let you know it's okay to write in your Bible. That's not blasphemy. You won't be hit with lightning. 
It's all right. Uh, this is the Bible's a tool for us. You're not, you know, defacing the Word of God. So you can write in your Bible. And so we have a pen ready. And if you don't have a Bible, go ahead and take the one under the chair in front of you and uh, put your name in the front of it and keep it and take it home and you can write in that one. So Romans chapter 12. You with me so far? Turn to the person next to you say you're going to learn something good today. Verse 14 is the beginning of our text. And what I'm going to do is read through this and then tell you where to mark your numbers, okay? So here we go. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God would bless them. Write a number one right there, okay? Just write in that, squeeze a little number one in there. Verse 15. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Number two goes right there. Number two after all and the exclamation point. Verse 17. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Number three goes right there. Go ahead and read in number three. Verse 18. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Number four goes right there. Verse 19. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. And put a number five right there. All right? So we got one, two, three, four, five. We're going to take the next 20 minutes or so and just break this down. The first one is, number one, is control your tongue. And I talked about this last week in depth. And if you missed it, you can go on our website and look at the podcast, listen to the podcast on that about controlling your tongue. He says, if somebody's got it out for you, the first thing you need to do is to get a rein in on your tongue, on your mouth. Don't curse them. Don't curse them. Instead, bless them. You see, a conflict, what it does is it traps you. It catches you in a trap. Just like a, you trap an animal, you get involved in a conflict with somebody, it grabs you. It has you. It has a hold of your emotions. It has a hold of your feelings. It takes control of your thoughts, your time, your day. It can determine what you will do and what you won't do. This thing can dominate your whole life. And so you're on the defensive. You're trying to protect yourself, defend yourself, right? You, you stay up all night rehearsing all the things that you should say and that you could say and that you need to say to defend your position. And so here, the, the Scripture is saying, go on the offense. Go on the offense. And the way you go on offense is instead of cursing them and speaking bad about them, begin to bless them. God tells us this so that we can free ourselves. That's the first thing you got to do is 
free yourself from all of that conflict, that bitterness, the rage, the anger. It's very difficult to be in a rage of anger when you're speaking blessing over someone. That's, very, that's almost impossible. You can't do those same things at the same time. And sometimes it just starts out in faith, you know? You know, where your mouth is saying, I bless so-and-so and your mind is saying, but you're a real jerk, you know? And so it, by faith, you start out. And what you'll, ha- you'll see is your mouth will change. Sometimes I'll pray and I'll say, Lord, help me to control my mouth and my thoughts towards this person. Because I'll tell you, it, is, it goes against our human nature, doesn't it? I mean, this is not our way. We want to let them have it. I mean, I do. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 7, he, he said, listen, let me, let me warn you. Let me warn you that this is how God works. This is how the kingdom works. If you judge somebody, that's fine. That's fine. Go ahead and make your judgment. But know this. Whatever measure you use, whatever method or system or standard you're going to use to judge them, God will then use that same standard to judge you. So if you want to be under that kind of treatment from God, then go ahead and treat somebody else that way. And that really gets you to think for a moment, doesn't it? You just stop and say, wait a minute. I want patience. Because I mess up and I sin and I do things I shouldn't do. And I want to be treated with patience and kindness and mercy. And I want that from God. And so if I treat people who have conflict with me with patience and kindness and mercy then God will treat me that way. If I am not that way with him, then I'm going to receive that same type of treatment from God. These are Jesus' words. You can look them up. Matthew chapter 7. Number two, seek godly advice. And it's not just seeking advice, right? Look at verse 16. In the, the New Living Translation, it says, Don't think that you know it all, because you don't. You think you do. You know, we got it all figured out. We got our side figured out, right? We know everything that we think we need to know. But you don't. You don't have it all figured out. So seek out what kind of advice? Godly advice, sound advice. You know what we normally do? We seek out the kind of advice that supports our side, you know? We seek out our point of view. And we go around talking to everybody until they agree with us on what we want to hear and what we, you know, we want them to say. It's like um, my mother. I call her my mother. It's actually Joy's mother. But I never ask her how my preaching was. Because she always says the exact same thing. Oh, it was wonderful. It was great. It was amazing. The best sermon I've ever heard in my life. And so it's, it's pointless, right? She, she can never criticize me or critique me in any way. So it would be horribly boring. She loved it. Okay? I don't want to hear that kind of advice. And this is how you know godly advice when you hear it. A godly person will first say to you, what is your part in the conflict? Deal with yours first. Because no conflict is not 100% them and you're the innocent angel. Right? Although you would like to think that. And I've never found 
any in any marriage breakup or or fight between business partners it doesn't matter parents teens there's always enough to go around it may be 99.9% that 15 year old's fault but you've got your little percentage that's yours and so a godly person will say to you first look at your own heart deal with your part of the conflict then let's look at theirs. That's good, sound advice. It's the same advice Jesus gave in Matthew 7. He was talking about conflict and and judging. And he said, listen, you know how you folks view conflict? I'll tell you. you. The way you see conflict is you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but you've got a gigantic log in your own. That's how you see conflict. But let me tell you, take the log out of your own eye before you begin to examine the speck in your neighbor's eye. That's the advice the Lord gives us on conflict. Godly advisors help us to see our part that we can deal with, take ownership of, before we begin to address theirs. Number three is keep doing what is right. In verse 17, it has the word never. Everybody say never loudly. Now, there's always somebody that says, but my situation, never. Well, you don't know my ex. Never. Do you want to know what the Greek says about this word never? What, you know, it's real Greek. The original Koine Greek interpretation of this word is. It's real spiritual hidden meaning is never. That's what it means. Never. All right? Never, never, ever pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that anyone and everyone can see that you are honorable. How it's, it's, it's powerful because it goes, I told, like I said, this is not John's stuff, right? This is God's stuff and it's so easy to see because it's not how we would see it. It's not how we would handle it. We, are, we, we would rather repay them for what they deserve. And that seems normal and natural. You take from me, I take from you. You hurt me, I hurt you. And God is saying here, listen, never ever see it that way. Don't do it that way. There's a good example of this in 1 Samuel 24. In the first service, I kind of went overboard on this, but I'll try and rein in myself a little bit here. 1 Samuel 24 it's this situation where uh, Saul is king and uh, David is running from him because Saul's trying to kill him because Samuel came along and said, uh, this is the next king. Well, Saul found out about it and was like, hey, I'm king. So he's chasing him, trying to kill him. And uh, so Saul has to go to the bathroom. Okay, He's got to go. And it's not the kind of go where you just find a tree. It's the kind of go where you need a little privacy. You know what I mean? Okay, so it needs privacy. So, you know, it's the kind where you need paper. He's looking for... So he finds a cave, all right? He goes in this cave because he's got to do his business. And so he's, he's doing his business. And uh, it just happens that David and his guys were hiding in that same cave. And so you just picture this in your mind, okay? He's there doing his business, and they're watching him. And 
so David's guys say to him, oh, this is perfect. You got him. You got him. He's vulnerable. He's defenseless. He's by himself. He doesn't know we're here. Just jump on the guy and ugh, let him have it. And David says, no. No, I can't do that. Because he's still the king. And the king is appointed by God. And who am I? I can't be God and try and usurp God's authority here. And so I, I'm, I'm going to leave him alone. Instead, he, he finds his robe. See, that's another clue. It was number, you know, right? He took the robe off. You don't need to take the robe off for the other. Anyway, he's got the robe off. David goes over and he cuts a piece of that robe. And Saul finishes his stuff. He goes out. And David walks out to the front of the cave. And he says, Saul, Saul, hey, I had you. I saw you the whole time. And I could have killed you so easy. But I spared your life. And here's a piece of your robe to prove it. I'm sure he looked down and went, oh, no. And then Saul's response is powerful. He says, he says, God gave me into your hands, your enemy. But you showed mercy and spared my life. You are more godly than I. Powerful, isn't it? The Lord says that he will make it right. If we will let him. If we take it into our own hands, then it becomes a problem. But if we let God bring about justice, he'll do it in his way. Look at number four and verse 18. Recognize your limits. Verse 18 says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And... Sometimes it falls beyond our capability to have peace with somebody. Sometimes it just, I mean, you do everything you know to do, everything you can do, and that person is still on a rage against you. What do you do? At that point, you just have to say, God, this belongs to you. This person, this whole situation, it is in your hands. I can no longer handle this. I can't deal with this person. Lord, I'm going to turn them over to you and let you begin to handle it. This is what Proverbs tells us in verse, uh, in chapter 20 and verse 22. It says, don't say I will get even for this wrong. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. Isn't that great? Don't you know that God will take care of it? God will take care of it. And sometimes that requires a lot of faith because a year goes by and it doesn't look like God's taking care of it. Five years, ten years, looks like they're getting away with all kinds of stuff. But if you will wait and let God take care of it, he says that he will. God will handle it by himself. And believe me, I have seen this when God handles it in his way. It is thorough. It is powerful. And the response and the outcome is redemptive. You will rejoice and you'll thank God that you entrusted it to him and didn't try and get revenge yourself. And the last one, number five, is what I'm calling the ultimate weapon against your enemies. Now, here's the one caveat. Sometimes... People cannot be reconciled with 
for a whole host of reasons, a million reasons. You know, it could be that they're full of pride. And so there's no, no matter what you do, it's not going to work out. They're full of greed. And so they're not going to let go of what they want from you or what they think is theirs. Or maybe they have mental illness, okay? And so really the problem is some chemical or they need extensive counseling and you're not their counselor. And so you're not going to be able to see that through. Or maybe there's a demonic influence. The devil's at work or demons are oppressing this person. And so, you know, it could be a whole bunch of reasons why this person can't be dealt with. And in that case, you let God deal with them, you step away, all right? But if that's not the case, if those things aren't going on, then here's the ultimate weapon. In verse 20, he says, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Now, we don't really know what this means. There are two good possibilities as to what he means by this. The Egyptians would carry baskets of coal on their head as a sign of repentance and that they were sorry for what they did and and showing their shame, change of mind, change of heart. But also, in Jesus' day, everything was cooked over fire. No stoves or, you know, so it's, it's primitive and you got a million people and everybody's burning fire and cooking their meals. Okay. After a while, there's not a whole lot of wood left. Okay. And so people would share their burning embers. So if somebody didn't have fire for the evening, they couldn't cook their meal, then you would take some of your fire, put it in a bowl, put it in a basket carry it on your head, take it to their house, and give them fire to cook their meal. It was a way to bless them. It was a gift. It was a good thing to do. And so he's saying here that if you want to go on the offense with this person, try and figure out what their needs are, and then make an honest attempt to meet those needs to bless them. There's a great story of this actually coming about in World War II. During World War II, the Nazis had taken over Rome. And uh, there was one priest who stayed in Rome to be over the church and uh, to live there and to, to protect the Jews. So he was very active in hiding Jews and protecting them. Uh, Hugh O'Flaherty. I, I don't really know how to pronounce his name. Anyway. Um, and uh, so the SS had a, had a commander, a colonel named Kepler. And he was assigned to Rome. And he found out about this hiding of the Jews and protecting the Jews. And so he set out to kill this priest. And so they tried to assassinate him three times. And all three times it failed. And this priest survived. But on one such occasion, they were able to capture his closest friend, also a priest. And they captured him and they tortured him to death. And then they took his body and they, they brought it all throughout the city of Rome to try and send this priest Hugh a message. Eventually, the Allies came to Rome and uh, liberated the people, and this colonel was captured. He went before trial and was sentenced to life imprisonment for his crimes. And so, Hugh felt that the best way to respond to Colonel Kapler was to visit him in prison. And so he would go and visit him in prison and find out what he needed, if it was food or water or a shirt or some 
things to write with, whatever. Try and bless him in any way he could. And after 180 visits to this captured SS officer, on March in 1959, Kapler bowed his knees in his cell, confessed all of his sins, and asked Jesus to forgive him and become a follower of Christ. Isn't that a great example of how good overcomes evil? Now, I think this priest could have just said, oh, oh, oh I'm the victim here, and oh, I'm being chased, and I'm being wronged, and this, this SS guy is evil, and he's, you know, he's terrible, and he should be killed for all of his crimes. Instead, he went on the offense, and he showered this guy with kindness and love. And that love overcame the evil that was in his heart. This is the thing that we're talking about that overcomes someone's rage against you. Control your tongue. Seek out godly advisors. Keep doing what is right. Recognize your limits. And then if you can, use the ultimate weapon. Weapon. 